0: And welcome back to Mixed Media Live. It is a good Friday. Mixed Media is a uh, live podcast happening every week on Friday, and what we do is we talk about art. We talk about art in all of its capacities. We have this new format where we talk about a topical episode like we normally do, our sort of normal format. We take a topic and we talk about it. And uh, we also have our Arguing with Reddit series, which is where we react to your hot takes. And the last thing that we do is we review some of your stuff or bring an indie artist online to talk about their stuff. Right now we're missing Ben, but he'll be on the show in. Uh, I don't know. Looks like uh, 20 minutes, 20, 30 minutes. Uh, and uh, Ben is our music guy, but I'll introduce myself and then Nathan can intru- introduce himself. So I'm Irving Nester. I'm a filmmaker um, and media entrepreneur. I own a company called Ariella. You can find my website at ariella.co. It's the domain that the link belongs to on the uh, right, left. I'm not sure what it is. Actually, I think it's right. Yeah. Right side of the You're screen. Right, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, who are you, Nathan?
1: I'm a game developer and 3D modeler.
0: First of all, I want to shout out uh, to all of our Rumble fans out there. You guys are amazing. Our views on Rumble have been consistently up as of late, and I really like seeing that. We finally got a comment for once from you guys, um, which was as short as the word nice, which I appreciate because we need more comments. we need more comments on our on our videos we need you guys to I mean commenting not only helps us to understand what you like what you want what you have to say what your opinions are it also helps the algorithms right so please comment uh, and while you're at it like if you like dislike if you don't like it Uh, at least that way we understand where people fall where the chips lie that being said if you're on Rumble, I really want to get on Rumble live streaming. I won't pitch it as hard as I did last time, but I didn't pitch it at the beginning last time, so that's what I'm trying to do here. I want to get on Love Rumble live. Rumble is a growing platform. We are growing on Rumble, and I'm really happy with that, but we're not able to live stream on Rumble. You guys are hearing this uh, you guys who are hearing this on Rumble, you're hearing this after the live show has actually been recorded. So if you want us to be live on Rumble, please go to mixedmedia.locals.com that's mixedmedia.locals.com we only need one supporter at the minimum tier minimum tier for us to do live streaming on rumble and we'll be sure because you'll be the first one there we'll be sure to shower you with uh all the beautiful things that we can possibly think of
1: if you don't do it you'll hear this literally every single time
0: <laughs> right
1: if you <laughs> Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. Until it's free, which might take like I don't know, a year. I think we're pretty much ready to jump into it. Did I miss anything?
1: Uh, how's your week? <laughs>
0: oh yeah. <laughs> uh, it's pretty crazy week. Um crazy busy. Um first, like there's a lot of first things happening with my business, which is actually good things. Those are not the 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 bad parts, but Dealing with a lot of stuff at once. Um, so, yeah, it's really vague, but I don't really want to get into it. <laughs> um, How's your week?
1: Sorry, right. and sorry, but like, if you can hear the lawnmower in the background, I'll try to be myself whenever I'm not talking. But uh, today starts uh, the Godot game jam, which I'm taking uh, part of, so that's nice. Uh, I've been hyped for it for a while. And then the theme came out, and I was like, wow, this is garbage. But uh, not I don't think it's not objectively garbage I just didn't like it personally so what's the theme it's uh it's um in inside the machine that's what it is interesting yeah <laughs> usually they're more I feel like usually they're more vague or um
0: I mean you could interpret that right as like inside like the anything. mafia machine yeah what I what
1: I I worked on a bunch of ideas I wrote down inside the corporate machine as one of them yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense
0: <laughs> also it's almost your birthday Five days until your birthday.
1: Yes, true.
0: So uh, happy birthday because uh, people on the stream were not going to be able to see, uh, uh, see we'll you. See, we'll everything. see you right after, you know? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah exactly. Three days later. All right, so I'm going to start with... <clears throat> Uh, the short film of the week. So what we're going to do is we're going to rotate the way that we do this new format. We're going to rotate who's doing the reviewing, who's doing the interviewing, who's doing the reacting to the hot takes, and who's doing the topical subject. We're going to that, rotate that every week. So this week, I'm reviewing a short film that I found on r slash short films. That's r slash uh, short films on Reddit. I love going on there, and I Watch a watch a good amount of them and and pick out one that I think has a nice balance of both being you know um, seriously made you know like the person isn't like just memeing around and 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 made a thing like this person's trying to do something uh, for themselves and you know trying to craft something uh, a nice mix of that and things to learn whether that's from the good that was done maybe the not-so-good things that were done. Um, but you can learn from both of those things. I think a lot of people emphasize too much learning from the bad stuff, right? Which is also helpful, but, you know, it's not just the bad stuff you can learn uh, You can learn from. You can also learn from the good stuff. So I'm excited today to talk about this film. It's called Initiation, and uh, it's about 11 minutes. I don't believe, if you are in the audience by happenstance, Um, Please let us know in the chat if you are currently on uh, director of this short, but I don't believe uh, he is with us today. Um, So I'm going to be just sort of breaking it down. I'll give you a quick overview of the story. It's actually pretty simple, so I won't have to like spend 30 minutes explaining it, but... In the future, if you want your stuff uh, reviewed and you want to ask us directly, you just have to join our Discord and give us permission to show your film. um, And then uh, we can even show your film if it's not too long and uh, break it down that way. So let me pull up the film. It's 11 minutes long and it's a definitely a very moody film it's uh, if you remember the film bum promises there are actually a few similarities and i've kind of been noticing a few sh- trends in the short film space i'm not sure what causes those trends i i really couldn't guess at it usually i can sort of get an intuition at like where these trends come from but in this case like it's like you know dark and like moody atmosphere i really don't know uh if where this trend is coming from, but I am not mad at it uh, because this is a good film. Um, first of all, I'll have to—I want to I wanna say this film is very competently made. Hats off to you for actually having an idea, writing it down, and executing it, because that's that alone is very difficult to do. So, um, hats off to you for even producing such a competent work. Uh, okay, so initiation is about our main character who has. Essentially, a friend who is a mule of some sort. We're not really told of what. So, a mule being someone who traffics something. It's usually drugs, right? Um, Drugs or maybe arms or I don't know, something or another. So, this person is a uh, mule illegally. uh, And they tell their friend um, that their mother is dying of cancer and they can't pay for the treatment. Um, and this person offers them a job as a fellow mule. It ends with a twist that I'm not going to kill um, for you, uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> uh, that, that, that that didn't ruin it, just just so you know, that did not ruin it. But <laughs> uh, it ends with a twist, um, and I'm not going to ruin that. If you want to see the film here, I'm going to put it, the link to it in the chat right now. Um, You can even uh, watch it while I'm talking. Okay, so that's the overall story. Really that simple. And honestly, you know, that's where I'm gonna start is the writing because I always like starting with the writing because that's the core of everything. I think it's underappreciated. I think it's especially underappreciated in short films because a lot of people tend to focus on a feeling or a mood or something very small to, like, expand upon with their short films, which is not a bad thing, but I really do think people could spend a lot more time uh, not just thinking about how they're going to make something that's professional or something that's visually pleasing or visually creative or audibly, auditorily, whatever the word is, creative, but also just, like, really spend a lot of time with your pen, right? Your pen game. Um, I think that's worth looking at. So here, I'll break it down from that perspective. So right now I'm gonna play a little bit of the opening so you can just get an idea of the mood. Um, I'm not gonna, yeah, actually I'll play it with the audio on uh, just so you can get an idea of the mood of this whole thing because the opening seed sets the mood quite well. So here we go. reason i played that opening scene is it, it like just combines all of the things that are going that we'll be talking about in one nice thing except for the overall story right so you got an idea of the moodiness of uh this film you got an idea of how it hooks you into the wider story so what i'm about to say it makes a little bit more sense Okay, so yeah, I think the opening is very strong. It's very compelling. You don't know, there's a, that information starvation thing that's happening where you're not sure what exactly is going on, which is what is building the intrigue, right? So you have all these interesting images. You have uh, him waiting for something clearly, we're wondering what he uh, is going to be facing because he looks really nervous. So this is good opening that builds intrigue from the writing itself because you built it with this sort of information starvation component, right? You're not just inundating them with information at the start, Uh, you're building tension, which I talk about in many episodes. So you can go all around mixed media and find me talking about tension almost everywhere. So. That is good. I found this opening to be very reminiscent of Breaking Bad, kind of like Bum Bum, Bum Promises as well, which is not a bad thing. Breaking Bad is...
1: That's what I uh, thought of when you were talking about the story. Mm, Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Um, You know, this sort of, like, opening where we get a look at a time that we're not sure when it will occur in the story or if, it, if we're looking at it sequentially. Uh, in Breaking Bad, often you'll start a episode with a peek into the future and you have no idea when that future happens, whether that's in the episode, which is I think majority of the time the, the scene that you see at the beginning will happen. Uh, you know, within the context of the episode, but sometimes it won't happen in the context of the episode. And it'll happen at the end of the season, right? Um, it's a great tension builder uh, from Breaking Bad. It's very Shakespearean. Shakespeare, of course, loves to do that foreshadow, not foreshadowing, that's not the right word, that dramatic irony, right, that's built from telling you what's going to happen and, uh, and the drama that occurs because you're not going to know what, you know what's going to happen. You have information, right, that the characters don't know can create a different kind of drama this particular scene doesn't tell you when it's going to happen at all it's not part of a series that is using that as a linguistic tool or anything like that so you don't know if this has happened sequentially or not in fact you're probably going to assume that this is happening in real time in the film's timeline as you watch it which then becomes obvious that it's not uh, when we get to the next scene it says two months earlier and then we get uh, the next scene here. So then it becomes obvious, obviously, that um, this, that opening scene is something that's going to happen later, right? So that creates this dramatic irony. We start to interpret the rest of the film in light of the first scene that we saw. So that's a breakdown of what's going on there for people who, I mean, a lot of times we naturally write these things out, which is great, Um, In fact, I actually think if more uh, writers, even in Hollywood, just wrote naturally, they'd probably make better stories uh, overall instead of being like extremely robotic and fake about the stuff that they make. But even if you wrote this naturally, right, it has a structure to it that is already clearly intended to create drama and tension, right? So that's a good thing. So yeah, so the next thing we get is this uh, sort of, transition to this time period where we start to get some exposition. So we move along to this dialogue scene where we have our main character on the left of the screen there, left of the frame there. And we have his friend on the right of the frame there. His friend is the one who's the drug dealer and the left guy is the guy we saw in the opening scene. Um, And in this conversation, we get a lot of exposition hidden behind dialogue which is not bad, right? Like exposition is necessary on well, in every film. I actually don't even like the way people think about exposition as like evil. Like, okay, uh, let me give you an example. Watch Tarantino and ask yourself whether exposition is truly evil or if exposition is just often misexecuted, right? Whether it's just not done well. Because Tarantino will just jabber... His character is literally the, one the most entertaining things in his movie. My favorite part about his films is the banter, you know, is just the jabber of characters back and forth is exactly what makes it awesome. Um, And in, in that banter is packed a lot of exposition, right? But it naturally arises from the dialogue. That's where I think that's that people get annoyed with exposition when it feels like a character is talking to you, the audience when that doesn't fit the scene for them to be talking to you the audience right or it feels like there's like an audience character right who doesn't know anything and has to ask questions as if you have to ask questions so you can know things that's usually bad exposition because it ruins your um, immersion right it ruins your immersion or it just feels corny uh, forced or anything like that in this scene we have a little bit of that which is kind of after the really strong visually oriented information starvation opening to essentially receive an exposition dump right afterwards kind of changed the pace and tone like in a very strange way, especially because this conversation is pretty long. Actually, let me see how long it is. So this is at 3.44, um, and this conversation will go on until... 755 right um so that's like 4 minutes of conversation which is actually pretty long right that's that's pretty long so if i'm getting that dialogue i'm going to want a lot of juice like i don't want exposition like i don't want di- audience talk i want to really get to know the world that we've just entered in that first scene right? I want a lot of dramatic irony being leveraged, right? I want the information that I know what's going to happen in two months to be fueling my attention to the scene because I want to know how we get there. I want to know where we're going. I want to know what made that scene and maybe start to think about what this all might end up like, right? Because the tone is very clearly, it's not going to end well, right? From the beginning. To give you more concrete advice um, about That I think that your scene could just be cut down. Like, there's a lot of exposition that we just don't need because we could presume it, right? So, like, um, you know, he says, like, the characters are talking about, like, a little bit too much detail about, like, crime. It's like everyone knows what a mule is, more or less. I mean, you can pretty much just presume that your audience knows what a mule is. Uh, at least, especially in the context, right? People can figure that out pretty easily, what what the heck they're talking about, contraband, right? Um, and you can, and that's not even an important detail, really, as the story progresses. It doesn't really matter what they're doing, right? Because it's more about the idea of becoming a criminal for the sake of something else, right? For that idea, you don't need to know the precise details of, um, oh, what do you do? How do you make money? Like. They don't talk about those details, but he asks those questions. And I don't even know this character. So it would be one thing if this character was inquisitive and you had the time to build him out, but I don't even know him. So it doesn't really achieve anything for the story for them to have conversation about something that is not thematically connected to the rest of the story and does not actually leverage the dramatic irony that you created in the first scene. And one comment I had about that was that I think that that dialogue scene as written Probably was okay in the writing, but I think for me what it became obvious needs to be cut in the edit especially, right? So I know a lot of indie people are afraid to have you know, uh, a very sharp razor in the cutting room, right? You you spent the time writing it, you spent the time filming it. It's hard to detach yourself enough to be able to actually cut something, right? But editing is your third chance to tell the story, right? You have the writing is your first chance to tell the story. The production is the second chance you tell your story. And the, the third chance you have is in the edit, right? You can change your story again in the edit. Don't shun that as a tool that's available to you, right? If you review your film and you say this scene is a little bit too long in the pace and maybe there's some dialogue that wasn't needed i feel like i could have cut this in a way the scene would have made 100 percent sense but still cut out a lot of the dialogue and kept a lot of the good drama that was in there so that's what i'll say about that scene um it sounds like i'm ragging on this film where i actually enjoyed it i mean that's one of the reasons i picked it um is that i think that it's worth uh looking at Okay. So what was it specifically that you liked? I liked the more much more of the visual creativeness and all the other the the creative creativity of the production is what I liked the most. Writing is probably the place where I thought it didn't have as much to offer, but I'm nitpicking this scene where this is the only scene where that's a problem for me. <laughs> so, yeah. Overall, like I said, the theme of this short is not so specific right it's just about this moral dilemma it's kind of the breaking bad problem of like i have to pay for my cancer treatment so is it okay for me to like whatever breaking bad though i have to do an episode on breaking bad it's so important i think breaking bad is is rightfully so influential on a lot of filmmaking and it's it's much more than just the style and the production it's a hundred percent, the writing—the writing is immaculate in Breaking Bad, and so I'll have to break that down in the future. But what Breaking Bad does is it moralizes everything, right? You can pretty much get the moralization of Breaking Bad within the first season, right? You can get what the the director is trying to tell you about this story within the first season, and everything after that is kind of an exploration of that theme, and that theme is uh essentially about consequence right the consequences for your actions right and uh the director the writers uh, vince gilligan he's really trying to drill down on what everything bad that you do has a consequence right so yeah, that's Breaking Bad. But here I felt like the idea wasn't as pinned down, right? I didn't get like a moralizing sentiment. And I got the feeling that you're focusing on a mood, which is perfectly fine, especially in a short film. There's a lot of practicing, right, that comes with a short film. A short film is very akin to like, um, I don't know, like a, like making a smaller piece if you're making classical music, um, or like if you're... Let's say you're a rapper. It's kind of like making a um, a freestyle, like a like not not like a freestyle freestyle, but you know what I mean, like a like just you're just kind of rapping over a track, you know, without any particular direction. You're just kind of practicing essentially, or making a mixtape or something like that, right? The short films kind of have that uh, exploratory learning um, aspect to it that I think is important to acknowledge. You know, you need to learn, and so exploring ideas in your film. Is very good. I still think though that it feels less like you were going for mood a hundred percent. Like all I needed to care about was the mood, but you also asked me to care about these particulars of the story and this vague theme around Breaking Bad, right? Literally Breaking Bad, right? Um, and I think I would have just gotten rid of that if I was going for the mood, right? I would have just explored the mood of this world instead of instead of adding any uh, dimension of like, you know, what drives a man to be here or like, you know, what is okay, what's not okay, um, decisions like this, like it just felt too centered around the decision instead of just a slice of this person's life or a mood, right? Which I think would have been more compelling. And I think if you wanted to go the moralizing route, I think I would have to know the characters better that might increase your run time, right? So that's a trade-off you have to deal with because you have a budget, you have a length that you, you, you can finance and actually do, which is perfectly fine. This is 11 minutes, so it's not the longest time to develop characters. But you, I think you had enough space in your film to do so. And even the scene here, the talking scene, I would have just you know, chopped this in half and spent the rest of the time in the same location, in the same house, fleshing something out. And I don't know your characters, right? So I I can't tell you what that would be. But I get the feeling you thought about these characters a little bit um, more than just the actions that they're going to be taking here. So I would really try to see how can I show not tell who these people are, right? Which is probably a little bit more efficient. Oh, and uh, just a side note. At the end of the scene, I really like what you did with in the writing, with uh, the symbolism around the alcohol. I don't know if it was intentional, because like the alcohol becomes like a symbol of like Breaking Bad, and of itself, like he clearly had an alcohol problem before, is what we learned from like the exposition. Um, and so then at the end, he says, "Give me a shot." I thought that was nice, clever a line that wasn't like too. Campy, right? Like this thing is not supposed to be campy, clearly. And but it was a nice turn of, it wasn't a turn of phrase, right? It was a turn of the situation, right? Which tends to feel less immersion breaking, right? Less campy, um, which I thought was really nice. I don't know if it was intentional, but that alcohol pour coincides with him asking for a shot, coincides with the rain here. And if that is intentional symbolism with like drenching like like the, the the water like not just the shot but like you know that this turns into a downpour. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but that is what came across to me. And I think that if that was intentional, that's extremely good genius writing. Um, you know, that that is a um, if it wasn't intentional, then it happened anyway, and uh, you, should take, you should take that uh, awesome coincidence and run with it for sure. <laughs> now, at the end with the plot twist, uh, as my final story note, I'm not sure that I cared, which sounds a little harsh, right? But it comes from the fact that I don't know the characters, so the twist didn't have a punch other than, oh, this is what happens at the end. So I think the biggest problem with this, I think if I were to take one problem and expand it across the writing of this entire film, I would say you didn't leverage the dramatic irony that you created in the first scene. You didn't use that to create tension, right? So uh, throughout the rest of it. So you had tension in that first scene, it was a great hook. It created uh, a lot of interest, right? But that dramatic irony didn't persist to weigh down on me as I watched the rest of the film, right? It didn't seem to matter that we were headed in that, dire- that I knew that we were headed in that direction. It's a little hard to write that way, so I, I understand that. I don't actually tend to do that uh, very often. No, I, I don't think I have any script that I'm currently writing that I do. The opening is like a peek into the future, and it's very difficult to write, I think, in, in a Shakespearean way. But I think watch a Breaking Bad episode that does it, and you'll uh, see what I mean by the opening adds tension. Even though you know what 's going to happen, um, it ironically adds tension um, instead of uh, being spoiler that 's the writing um, I, again, it sounds like i 'm bagging on it. I really am not. <laughs> I think that the those points are the stuff that are interesting to learn right because otherwise, I think if you were showing this to an audience, everyone would be uh, everyone is. <laughs> On the edge of their seat. I hope you get a chance to to show this to an audience. An awesome feeling, by the way. Submit it to festivals. You'll you'll definitely make it into uh, many festivals. I'm just talking about maximizing your your potential with this story, right? Um, man needing to fund cancer and does something bad is kind of you know a common thing. So I think you could have added some interesting complexity by by uh, being a little bit more thoughtful with your writing, right? So again. I'm not trying to bag on your writing at all. Now, for the stuff, the rest of the stuff is pretty much just all good. Maybe like one or two like random technical notes, but like the rest of this stuff is just I think is amazing work. First of all, your sense of visual visuals are awesome. Like, Like like look at this shot. That's very that's that's just that's composed so well. You use negative space so well to create isolation. Right, I immediately feel stark myself, right? I immediately feel alone myself when I watch this, right? Um, the light falls over this area very well. I have no idea whether you put that light there. I don't imagine you did. So this, I don't know how you're achieving this look with the camera that you're using and whatnot. I, I don't know how you're doing this. I don't know if this is an A7S III or something like that and you're able to, or the the light levels just happen to be right, but bro, it works. So whatever you did, it definitely works. And then we get a lot of good um, editing throughout here, which is very um, disciplined. Uh, every shot seems to have a purpose. The length of the shots have a purpose. Um, it's not just dragged out for the sake of, I don't know, being moody, right? Um, we're dragging out this moment, looking at our different shots to get a feel for the kind of situation where it and to create that tension and i really loved that i love seeing in indie films more motion right like not too long ago it was really hard to move a camera for cheap but right now i mean here let me grab it real quick we've got these awesome devices right this is a uh, gimbal um these awesome devices allow us to move the camera in ways that We have never moved before. I think you're using a gimbal in some of these shots. I'm not sure if in other shots you're using dollies and things like that. But I got the feeling that all the motion is done via gimbal. And I got to say, again, you were very restrained with your camera usage of the gimbal and the edit and on set. You didn't just gimbal everything, which is a um, a poor decision by people who buy these things and feel empowered and think that they should just roam the camera around the entire scene. And, uh, then when they go edit, they think this is the highest effort shot. So, uh, I'm just going to use that shot only. Right.
1: (laughs) Is that, is that the thing that makes it like stable or is that something else?
0: Yeah. It's like a motorized, uh, stability device. Basically. Um, it's collapsed right now, so you can't really tell how it functions in its current configuration. Um, but yeah, it helps with uh, stabilization. I love the camera work. I love this. um, This is something that also happened in Bum Promises that I've been noticing all around these indie films is this voyeuristic camera, this camera that sort of just moves without motivation. Very David Fincher, like I said, with Bum Promises. So here you get it. I'm going to mute it. i am just show you visually speaking. Here you get this camera—it's not tracking anything, right? It's just moving without motivation into the next frame. It almost feels like you're on a stage, right? Like you, like the world is your stage, and the camera is just moving you to the next point of interest, right? Uh, Without—it's almost as if it, it's almost as if you can't even resist the camera moving, right? Like you have no choice but to move where the camera's moving. Whereas when you motivate the camera, it feels more like ah, yes, I do want to follow the action into this next framing, right? Um, This feels like, oh, no, where are we going? Um, (laughs) uh, Which is a good device for tension, and I think it leads from a good composition to composition. I thought it was nicely creative. This scene is very beautiful lighting. Oh, I want to say also, this car lighting is epic. Like, dude, like, I don't know if that dirt is natural that dust up into the lights is, is natural to the scene. But I loved it. Like, And I love the color contrast between the blue and the orange. The blue of the car it just made the car feel separate, right? Like it's coming from like the blue and the orange. The orange is him, and the blue is something else coming to be ominous, right? Like it added a good contrast. That might be somewhat accidental as well, right? You might have just had a car with blue tinted light more blue tinted lights and this might have been orange but again take it it's awesome um that is all i have to say about it visually very competently made i think unfortunately because it's a very dark film youtube goes to town with it (laughs) uh it's always sad when i see the compression just absolutely ruin someone's uh visual image but i can imagine what it looks like outside of youtube uh, just from looking at it and i think it, it probably looks very good so good job there the other thing visually I want to say is color, right? So you have a very limited and restrained palette, which adds to the moodiness. Unlike Bum Promises, right? You went with a more even contrast or maybe even on the upper end of contrast, you very black, inky, um, whereas Bum Promises is a little bit more flat. I think this works very well for your mood. Everything is kind of muted and down. There's not really whites anywhere to be seen. Um, so like even this window in the background in the shot is not white, it's like this, you know, I'm not sure if you uh, um, covered this window or whatever you did to it to diffuse it so it didn't clip, right? Uh, but whatever you did, it works very well. I'm not sure if you thought about the color beforehand before you started shooting, but it's always a good idea for anyone out there. Think about your color uh, grading that you're gonna do while you're shooting so that you can assist your color grade, right? Um, so if you know that you want muted highlights, try not to get crazy highlights in your... In your uh, in your actual shooting so that in the color grade it's much easier to achieve the look that you're trying to get um in this scene too we have a very like monochromatic like it's not fully monochromatic you know that you left some other colors in there but it's very yellow uh very reminiscent of um uh, arrival i can't remember the cinematographer and director for arrival uh, which you can shoot me for that also, hot take, I don't really like Arrival that much, which is a super hot take, but <laughs> um, uh, you can watch my review, 60-second review of Revival where I egg people on in, uh, <laughs> about their opinion on Arrival. But actually, I really like this uh, very like beige tone, fits everything right. I love the blue and orange, that, that teal and orange, that classic uh, film contrast. Teal and orange is a very go-to look. But a lot of people make it their own and I felt like you made it your own. Like, look even here on the dashboard, you got teal and orange going on here, you know, with, uh, with um, the light from outside versus a different light that's giving you a teal and you've got teal and orange with like the right here, you see like this, this, uh, this reflection is orange but the rest is teal and your color grade definitely sought to, to, to really solidify that color palette. And I really enjoyed that very noir-looking as well. Yeah, look at this. Look at this show. This is, this is nice. This is beautiful. This is good lighting. You di-
1: This is definitely not By the natural. Way, no mm. one on audio only is understanding. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. No one. Yeah, sorry, guys, on audio only. If you're on audio only, uh, this might be the kind of episode you want to watch on YouTube or anything like that. I think you can still learn about pretty much anything that's not the cinematography. Um, <laughs> but the cinematography is kind of a rip. Ironically, I follow a cinematography podcast um <sighs> I'm forgetting the name right now. I, I love it. They break down, He breaks it down, uh, just audio only. He only recently made a YouTube channel after like, I don't know, like six years of doing a podcast about cinematography. Um, and he somehow is still very informative, just listening to him about the cinematography that he does. He posts stills on his website that you could follow along with, but I was listening to him while I was driving my car and I was imagining what he was saying. And it was actually pretty effective. So, yeah, you can imagine what I'm saying when I say teal and orange, contrasting and all contrasting and all that kind of stuff. The only nitpick with the color is because you are trying to achieve that no white look, right? There's never any white anywhere, which gives it a very moody um, feeling, right? It is very unsettling to never see white in, in any shot. You know, there's never any pure white. There's never never any sun white or anything like that. there's no hot spots that create white or anything like that. It's very unnatural, right? Which gives it a very dramatic look. Um, my only problem is in some spots it looks like you forced it to be like that, even though when you captured it, it clearly clipped, right? So over here in this shot, you can see that the car light is definitely clipping, right? Which means you're overexposed, which is very understandable with a car light. It's very bright compared to everything else. The problem though, is when you went and you color graded it, you You tried to mute the white in a way that looks like a mistake. I'm not good enough at color grading to know, to tell you how to protect your white clip and make it creatively not white in a way that looks good. So I can't even tell you how to do that my instinct would be to protect the white, which is essentially to make sure that it stays white so that it looks a little bit more natural, um, but you're going for a no white look. So if you're going for that no white look, I'm not actually sure what to tell you, but there's a great YouTube channel um, called, uh, uh, it's, after, it's named after the guy, uh, so it's his name. It's Wakazi, Waqazi, W-A-Q-A-Z-I. Um, Great color grader, great tutorials, and I'm sure, I'm 100% sure there's gonna be a tutorial that covers this topic of um, protecting your highlight that clipped but did not, but you you wanna actually color it, right? And how to make that look natural. It might even mean like applying like a filmic uh, emulator or something like that over it to like give it um, a fall off or something like that. I'm not educated enough to, to tell you how to do it. But it kind of bugged me like a lot So like here too, you can see, uh, I don't know if you can see what I'm saying, Nathan, but like, you see how like that white spot is like, you know, it's not actually white, you know, it's like, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, like grayed out almost, or like,
1: it's like darker. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And it's because he's trying to avoid the all, like he's trying to avoid white as part of his palette, which is fine. But again, it kind of looks messy to me. And it kind of exposes how digital your camera is, which is not a knock on your camera, it's just something you have to keep in mind. How I would have done this to avoid this problem period, I know you probably were rushing on set, I have no idea what time you filmed this or how long you were filming by the time you got to the shot, I'm sure it was a long time. But if you had the ability to, which it kind of looks like from this scene over here, how this window is not clipping unless you just found the perfect time of day, you probably had some diffusion on you, right? I would just diffuse the car light to make it not as bright and try to get at least the edges of the light. Like you're probably never going to have enough diffusion over it and still have the light look natural, um, like a car light uh, over it to make it look good. But I would keep stacking it until the edges of the light, like the rims of the beam start to not clip anymore. And only the center of the beam is clipped. And I think that would immediately make it look more natural. And I know you can't bring your camera's exposure down because it's already dark. So the only way you can do that is by diffusing the actual car beam itself. I mean like literally taping the diffusion onto the, to the, the car beam um, and doing it that way. Um, again, okay, again, these are, again, nitpicks. I really love the visual aspects of things. Last thing, sound design, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I don't understand you animals who are great at sound design. You guys are nuts and insane. I just, uh, it drove me absolutely bonkers, spending weeks on weeks, much more time than I usually allotted and ripped me, I used my budget, my personal, you know, time budget went straight out the window, Um, (laughs) which is bad if you're running a business, but, uh, (laughs) you know, it. I can appreciate really good sound design especially from indie people so much freaking better this sound design on you heard it in the first scene sound design is beautiful in this film like it has character it's got texture you built the world definitely from scratch i think it's a little too loud Um, but that might be because you're uploading it to YouTube and I have no idea what the heck YouTube does to your sound, but it sounded a little bit too hot. In fact, when I was looking at it in the editor, there were certain points that were like peaking, like true peaking. Uh, don't worry about that. The overall mix was just too loud, but on the internet, you, you, you know, it auto adjusts a lot of things and it's pretty annoying. Sound design is freaking stellar. And I loved it. You know, a lot of indie, uh, films use very ambient music because you can't Either you found the music online or you found a composer, but that composer, you know, it's a lot more efficient to make ambient music than, like, you know, uh, have, like, a full orchestral uh, soundtrack. Rip, Ben, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) uh, That's an unfortunate thing. But the good news is in this film, you really made the best of it. I don't know how you got your music, if it was... uh, from, you know, Artlist or something like that, or, you know, you actually had a composer compose like this very ambient droning soundtrack. I really love your overlay of diegetic music to con- contrast it. Very Breaking Bad, again. Um, you, But instead of like Breaking Bad, where it'll just switch to the diegetic music, which is its own style, gives it sort of like a, a little bit of campiness on purpose added to the Breaking Bad with that sort of like diegetic music just becoming the soundtrack. Um, very Tarantino-esque almost. Uh, Tarantino loves to do that. But in this one, you just let the ambient music rock while the diegetic music was also playing, which gave me two two musics at once, but it sounded purposeful because like, you know, I got a song called, I think like death's wish or something like that is announced on the radio which i thought was great (laughs) um and then it plays and then there's also this droning and it's like a like almost like a country like folk song and then like you have like these ambient droning happening underneath which like i thought was a very creative um contrast that really sold more of the moodiness right it really gave me a little bit a lot more of that moody vibe instead of quieting out the droning and then bringing in the diegetic music to take over which would have had a different style right that would have been more like breaking bad or tarantino or something like that so yeah that's overall my thoughts i really liked it check it out the link is in the uh stream chat if you're watching this afterwards the link will be in the description Um, and uh, i really ask that you go watch the actual film Uh, tell them that we sent you at mixed media and to check out this breakdown Um, And if they want to be on the show and talk about how they made made this thing, you know, we also do interviews. So if you think that they uh, would love to do that, tell them that we sent you. Um, And that is my spiel. So great work.